American soccer fans, welcome to episode 23 of the Stars and Stripes FC podcast. Donald Wine here, co-manager of Stars and Stripes FC, where you can find all the discussion on the U.S. national soccer team's news involving the players and everything else American soccer. Happy Indigenous Peoples Day weekend. We're getting ready to have the long holiday weekend, so make sure to social distance and wear those masks if you decide to venture out this weekend. Let's all stay safe so that we can continue to battle this pandemic. On this episode, the women's national team has a camp coming up. We discuss who will be a part of that camp, and we revive a discussion that began earlier this week in our community corner on the Americans who did not make a move during this transfer window who we felt would have benefited from one. We begin, however, with the U.S. women's national team. Finally, the team will convene for the first time since She Believes Cup, which ended on the day the sports world shut down back on March 11th. Head coach Vlatko Andonovsky and U.S. Soccer announced the camp earlier this week. It'll take place from October 18th through the 28th in Commerce City, Colorado. There will be no international matches associated with this camp. It's just for training. And they're taking some strict precautionary measures due to the coronavirus. They will form their own bubble at a hotel in Denver. Players are going to be taking multiple tests before they travel. They'll be tested upon arrival and then every two days during the camp. And they won't train in full until everyone in the bubble tests negative for the coronavirus. So that's good that they're keeping it safe. Though hopefully if they're using the Colorado Rapids facilities, those facilities have been cleared out and completely sanitized. The Rapids, as some of you know, are in the midst of a heavy outbreak amongst the team and they just recently postponed their third match in a row due to the number of players and staff that actively have the virus. So hopefully that's all settled and cleared out by the time the ladies arrive in Denver. Thursday, head coach Vlatko Andonovsky named 27 players to the training camp roster. And it's a nice mix of the regular crew that won the Women's World Cup back in 2019. You have some NWSL veterans that will get a shot after long layoffs on the national team and some fresh young talent. There are also a few regulars that are missing from this camp. Carly Lloyd, Mallory Pugh, and Adriana French are all recovering from injuries. Meg Rapino opted out of the camp citing injury concerns, and that makes sense as she has been in the wobble, the WNBA bubble down in Bradenton, Florida, since late June, supporting her partner Sue Bird, who plays for the Seattle Storm. Bird and the Storm just won the WNBA championship Tuesday night. Congrats to them. But as it relates to Rapino, she hasn't played soccer this year, and she would need to get into some fitness to come to camp. So she's going to opt out of this one. And finally, Julie Ertz will not be in camp due to a family commitment, and because there are no international matches being played, the women's national team players who are currently playing club ball in England, that's Samantha Mewis, Rose Lavelle, Kristen Press, Tobin Heath, and Alex Morgan, are not in this camp. Now, having said all that, Let's take a look at the 27-woman roster that will be in camp. We begin with the goalkeepers. Aubrey Bledsoe, Jane Campbell, Ashlyn Harris, and Alyssa Nair. Jane Campbell, a monster for the Houston Dash. The 2020 NWSL Challenge Cup champions, this call-up is a deserved reward for her efforts. And Aubrey Bledsoe, she deserves to be in the talk for one of the best goalkeepers in the pool, in my opinion. I think she's that good, and I'm glad that she got this call-up. Alyssa Nair and Ashlyn Harris, easy selections for Coach Andonovsky. 
They're the top two goalkeepers on the depth chart, and it's going to be good to see them competing again in a national team camp. Moving on to the defenders. The defenders are Abby Dahlkemper, Tierna Davidson, Crystal Dunn, Naomi Germa, Sarah Gordon, Allie Krieger, Kelly O'Hara, Midge Purse, Becky Sauerbrunn, and Casey Short. First off, Sarah Gordon makes her first women's national team camp. That's outstanding. She's an incredible player. She's had an incredible season with the Chicago Red Stars. It's really nice to see her on this list. Midge Purse, straight up, she's the future. The future of this team. I love her game. She's an electric talent. I've said it before. She needs to be free from the defense, in my opinion, but she's clearly a versatile option that hopefully will turn heads in camp like she's done all year for Sky Blue. Naomi Gurma comes from Stanford. She's in the mix, which is terrific. She's clearly vying to be a part of the program's future as well. And I like that Coach Andonowski is bringing in college kids for some looks to give them a taste of the national team. The regulars on a defense, Dahl Kemper, Davidson, Dunn, Krieger, O'Hara, Sauerbrunn, and Casey Short. I, I just have to say, I, I love that our national team can take any of those four players and put them on the back line, and they're easily the best in the world, without question. But this group is a really nice mix of youth and experience. It should be interesting to see what comes out of the camp for them. The midfielders, Shea Groom, Lindsey Horan, Morgan Gutro, Jalen Howell, Katarina Macario, Christy Mewis, and Ashley Sanchez. First off, I am a Washington Spirit fan. I think Ashley Sanchez is incredible. She's got sauce. She's got flair. Above all, she's got talent. I love that she got this call up. I hope that she's a part of this team for a long time. She's got that energy. I like that. Christy Mewis is back in a women's national team camp, ensuring that the family name continues to be on her roster. Her sister Samantha may not be on this roster, but Christy is, and she deserves it after the year she's had for the Houston Dash. Seven years between national team camps for Christy Mewis. That is persistence and I'm glad to see her back on the team. Jalen Howell from Florida State makes this roster a nice addition from the college ranks, but the player that everyone is talking about on this roster, on this whole roster, Katarina Macario from Stanford. Yeah, this girl is real good. Really good. She can score from anywhere in the field. She's got incredible pace and touch on the ball. A surefire number one draft pick whenever she decides to enter the NWSL. And just this morning as we recorded, she announced that she had become a U.S. citizen, making her eligible for the national team. I'm excited to see what she can do in this camp. Looking forward to hearing what, how she integrates with these players. Shea Groom, another Houston Dash player who has earned her spot in this roster. And then you have the regulars, Lindsey Horan and Morgan Goutreau. That will be some exciting competition between those players. And finally, at forward, we have Bethany Balser, Mia Fischel, Ashley Hatch, Sophia Smith, Kelia Watt, and Lynn Williams. There's only one veteran up front in this camp in Lynn Williams, but she's goddess level with her ability to score both in the NWSL and on the international level. She's flourished in the Andonovsky era so far, so I expect to see her lead this unit throughout this camp. Sophia Smith is an exciting young player. She was the first pick in the 2020 NWSL draft by the Portland Thorns. She scored in her only appearance for the team thus far, but on the USU-20s, my God, it was just pure domination. 21 goals in 25 matches. She's clearly ready for prime time, and with a lot of the regular forwards out, this is a great chance to make an impression. 
Kelia Watt had a tremendous season for the Chicago Red Stars. She helped them to the NWSL Challenge Cup final. She has a couple of games experience on an international level, as does Ashley Hatch of the Washington Spirit. Both get the call to this camp. Bethany Balser also gets the call up from O.L. Reign, an intriguing young forward, a product of the Mitten. Shout out our home state of Michigan. And finally, me official from UCLA gets the call up. You probably know her if you watched any of the 2020 CONCACAF Women's U20 Championship, where she scored 13 goals for the United States to lead them to the title. 13 goals in seven games. That, that's really good. Uh, the girl can score in bunches, so she gets a chance to make an impression in Colorado. So, there's your roster. I'm very excited to see what comes from this camp. Let's hope there's some video of the practices and scrimmages so we can see what's going on. But Coach Andonoski will finally get a chance to bring some players together to get some workouts in this month. I know we're all excited that they're back in business, even if it's just for a training camp. Up next, we discuss which men's national team players did not make a move during this transfer window. But first, we pause for a quick break. national team player pool on the club level. On Monday, the European transfer window came to a close. There are a couple of transfer windows that are still open in some places, but for all intents and purposes, the big leagues are done for the fall. And while we have focused quite a bit on the players that made some big moves, today I want to focus on some of the players who did not make a change and are remaining at their clubs that probably should have moved. It was the subject of our community corner this week, and there was a lot of discussion over a few players who we all hoped would have made a move somewhere. The largest discussion, it seems, centered over Ethan Horvath, the goalkeeper at Club Bruges. A couple years ago, Horvath was the man at Bruges. He was the starting goalkeeper. He was seeing lots of action in both the Belgian first team division, but also in Europe. He has a few starts in the Champions League, and it looked like he was going to do some work for them. He was going to be the man. Then last season, Bruges bought in Simone Mignolet. Yes, that's Simone Mignolet, former Liverpool player, goalkeeper for the Belgian national team. That relegated Ethan Horvath to the bench, and many of you out there wished he could move on after a season of playing spot duty for Bruges. But Bruges also made Champions League, so it's hard for Horvath to find a place that can replicate that who is in need of a starting goalkeeper. With them being in Champions League, one would hope he could be on the field for a couple of these matches, as well as some league and Belgian Cup matches. Still, it would have been nice to see him go somewhere else in Belgium, or maybe Germany or England, somewhere where he can be the starter. Goalkeeper, as we all know, is, is hard to keep match sharp when you're sitting on the bench. You don't get a chance to sub in every game. You're not a super sub. And we've seen that with many goalkeepers in the past. So let's hope that Ethan Horvath can continue to push to play several matches in all these competitions and keep sharp, because we all want our goalkeepers to remain sharp and 100% fit. Another one that was interesting that came up in the last day or so was Tyler Boyd. Now, Tyler Boyd plays for Besiktas in Turkey, and he was starting fairly regularly, or at least playing very regularly, for the Turkish Giants over the past year. 25 appearances for the club last season. It was reported just a couple days ago 
that Tyler Boyd was left off the 25-man roster for Besiktas that was registered with the Turkish Super League. Now that means that Tyler Boyd is not eligible to play for Besiktas this fall. That's a major surprise and a huge blow for Boyd. He's now stuck in this no-man's land. He can't play for his club, and with the window closed, is very limited on the options he has to even go somewhere on loan. He's going to be really important for the U.S. men's national team next year during qualifying on that wing spot. But if he's not playing, it's going to be hard for him to work his way into the mix on the national team and then onto the field. you got to hope that his situation gets resolved quickly and he goes somewhere where he can get some action against quality competition. He has that skill. Bashik just signed him last year. You would think that he has the skill to play. But right now we wait and see what happens with him this fall. DeAndre Yedlin. He's still at Newcastle. Still pretty buried in the depth chart. There were reports of him getting interest from teams in Major League Soccer, Spain, France, and Germany. And it sounds like at least one club, Elche in Spain, put in a bid for the American right back. But he remains with the tune. Yedlin has been one of the most important pieces of our men's national team puzzle the last few years. And even with younger guys challenging him for the starting right back job in Serginho Dest and Reggie Cannon, Yedlin is versatile enough to be somewhere in that mix. Whether you put him at right back or right wing, his pace and his defensive ability is going to be useful out there. I don't know if a return to MLS is what he needs, but if there's a spot in Europe where he can go on loan to get the playing time he needs, I'd be all for that. And clearly there are some teams that can use his services. Finally, looking on this side of the pond, I turn to Mark McKenzie. The Philadelphia Union center back is a straight-up beast. Love the dude. He played really well for the Union. He's one of the big reasons why they're near the top of the Eastern Conference and a legit contender for MLS Cup. He's been linked with a move to Celtic for quite a while now, but no deal has materialized. He's 21 years old. He's big, physical, but can keep up with anyone. And I look at him, honestly, as the future of the defense for the men's national team. The dude is nice. And quite frankly, he's way better than a move to the Scottish Premier League in my mind. I think he's ready for a bigger league, a bigger stage. And I don't need guys in the SPL going at his legs all reckless. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But Mark McKenzie will have a big move for him soon. I'm sure of it. It will be interesting to see if that happens in the offseason for Major League Soccer over the winter. But I think he would be great in Germany or France where he can bring some of that physicality and apply it to a team in need. We'll stay tuned to his movements, but it could be that he is an important piece on the back line for the U.S. men's national team for years to come. And we will leave it there for episode 23 of the Stars and Stripes FC podcast. Next week, I'm going to begin doing some deep dives on the U.S. men's national team player pool. Who should factor into the team into the next year? We have a lot of competitions coming up. We're going to need a lot of guys. Who can be in that mix? We'll break it all down and analyze it bit by bit. And if you have other topics you would love to hear me discuss on the show, send an email to ssfcpodcast at gmail.com. Everyone, once again, stay safe on these streets this weekend. Continue to be vigilant as we take on the coronavirus pandemic together. Be safe not just for yourself, but for your friends and your loved ones behind you and your community as well. So until next week, enjoy the holiday and take care.